0: Welcome to episode 66 of The Process, Excellence. Thank you for being here with me today. Appreciate you for coming. to live my life i had to learn my lessons i had to keep that smile with deep inside i'm stressing Just trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression it's time to tighten up i put my pride down and pick that bible up welcome to episode 66 of the process today we have nalani kelly marsh joining us on the podcast welcome to the podcast nalani
1: thank you thank you for having me
0: could you tell the listeners where you're from
1: yeah, so I'm originally um, from Malibu, California. so people that are familiar that's somewhat near LA, somewhat near Santa Monica, Venice Beach, all that good stuff. <laughs> uh,
0: West Coast. What was it like growing up in Malibu?
1: It honestly was a treasure. Um, looking back and just having my fair share of experiences in different states. I didn't realize like how blessed I was just to be able to you know like go to the beach after school, um, walk Venice Beach, and just you know have those fun experiences in the water, out the water, and in such a diverse demographic in city. So, um, looking back at all of that, I think that's partially attributed to like the way I am today, right? Because you are a product of your circumstances. So I'm just very grateful I had the opportunity to be exposed to the things that I've been exposed to. Mm-hmm.
0: So, what, what was your uh, upbringing like in in, in Malibu, California? Um, did you have any siblings? Did you play sports?
1: Yeah. So, I always like to like tell people like my story is like a Tyler Perry movie, right? Um, so, growing up in Malibu, it was me and my older sister Zavani, and um, at the time, my mom was homeless. So, we were actually living in our RV, but she like made it work. Um, she really instilled the the importance of education, right? And she knew in her minds where we needed to go to school. Um, we moved to California with nothing. She moved with like $800. And like those like huge cell phones, right? She, remember, I t- she told me this story. And, um, but she had a vision, right? Because she came from Denver with us really, really young. And um, she was on welfare. She you know, she kind of dabbled in drugs early in her life. And she was like, you know, to break out of this cycle, she's like, I have to do something different. so. She picked up me and my older sister, Zavani, but mind you, I have two other older sisters, Shreel and Zoe. So they're a little bit like in their teens and they stayed and she moved to California. So I don't know why she decided Malibu out of all places. I think it just, it was like a well-renowned place. She knew that people, celebrities, it just always been like a staple right in California.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and throughout her journey of getting us like stabilized in the, the manner she could, you have to be in a certain zip code to attend the school. So I guess she figured out if I get a um, a PO box, I'll have a zip code and that'll be considered our our address of living in this area, which qualified us to go to that school. I'm not sure if it's legal. I'm not sure if I should be (laughs) saying all that, but that's kind of like, she made it work. And um, she always used to tell us like, be so grateful, be grateful you're able to, you know, go to this school. And I never fully understood what she meant. But now looking back, I do because um, just the type of students I went to school with, like some of my friends were kids of like, you know, top celebrities or people that have a a massive, large wealth. And these are my friends. So like I was placed in environments where I'm coming from extreme poverty or I'm living in a camper or I'm in a shelter like my mom is struggling day to day just to figure it out. But then I'm going to school and I'm having sleepovers with. My friends that live in multi-million dollar mansions in beverly hills where know you go on play dates like money isn't a, a struggle right it's like a oh do i buy the kids food or put gas in my car right yeah. so those two extremes i was like whoa and the one common denominator was like they're educated or they had some level of schooling so in my mind i'm like okay well i don't nothing against my mom but i'm like i know where i come from and what we've experienced i don't want that going forward you know And I see the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's like day and night, like, okay, I wake up, I'm taking the bus like six in the morning. Mind you, I'm like super young, going to school, just to go to Malibu, high school. And, but then I'm like hanging out with my friends and sleeping at their house. And like, I'm seeing like poverty, wealth, every day, every day, every day. And um, something just clicked within me. Like, you know, you got to figure it out. And I had great examples, right? Like my friend's parents seeing what they do, how they, how they speak. What they drive, their mannerisms, um, and I think um, I'm pretty sure you've heard before. Like you have to see what you want to become, right? To even mm-hmm. think to work towards that, right? Yeah. So that's where I was like, I'm very grateful my mom understood the importance of being in an environment where you you are exposed to those type of images, those people, those role models, and such.
0: Well, I, I kind of want to ask you about the 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 two extremes you know like did it ever have an effect on you know hindsight is 2020 you can definitely see you know the benefit of that situation but you know when you were having to you know ride the bus and and here you are you know explaining your story you know what what impact did that have you on in school
1: yeah that's a um it's a great question and uh, i thought about it a lot i uh I've also, I lost a lot of childhood friends because I was put in situations where they didn't quite understand like why is she doing the things she's doing. Right? Um, it did affect my grades at some point because, mind you, I'm like by the time um, school was over, I did water polo. Right? So I went to practice, and that's like a water sport. You're you know in the pool swimming whatever. I'm probably not done till with practice like at eight. Then I go down to the bus stop. Then I take the bus stop back into LA because, mind you, my mom moved the camper around somewhat even though we were considered in like the Malibu zip code. So sometimes I'd have to take the bus back to LA and mind you, like that's a, that's a two bus ride or one bus ride. So by the time I get home, it's like 10, then I probably don't go to sleep till 12 cause my mom's cooking or we're figuring out where to park that night to go to sleep. So, and then I get up at six and do it all over again. So I remember certain times of like falling asleep in class and like my teacher like banging the table or like, I felt like picked on, right, because I'm sleepy. And they probably saw it as like, she's not dedicated to school or isn't the best student, but mind you, like I have so many other things in the background happening. So it did affect my schooling in that way of just being so tired, you know, Mm -hmm. but still trying to show up, still trying to learn the lessons and socialize with my friends. And then later down the line, this is like middle school, but when I got to high school, it became somewhat a burden to my friends. I'm sleeping over at my friend's house. And I remember, One of my friends, she's like, you use my house like a hotel or it was something, some comment. And it's like, it was hurtful because they didn't understand my situation of like, I don't have somewhere to sleep sometimes. Or like, I'd rather be at your house versus like going home to my like situation. So it did affect my childhood relationships.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, so how did you communicate that with your friends? and, And, you know, how did you, did you do that for four years through high school?
1: yeah so there was just like like it's the ebb and flow the ups and downs right of just certain situations happening and i don't think i was in a space to to fully communicate like hey i'm homeless like we practically do live on the street even though we are in a like a a rv a camper i'm not sure if you've probably seen these before but um Mm -hmm. it's hard to like describe that and break that down for someone so i kind of just took it like like salt you know a grain of salt like okay i guess this is a relationship and it is understanding, right? Like you have someone that like is coming in out of your house, but a lot of my friends became family somewhat. Like they took me in and were very accepting, but that can only go so long, you know, when you're not actually family or, you know, you're not blood. So that's kind of where um, it went bad. You know, it's hurtful to this day. It's hurtful. Like I think I like would have had better friendships if I had like a more of a stable childhood it is what it is right <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and and did you end up graduating from that high school
1: so it was a really really big shift um it was about like i was about to finish eighth grade when i was attending malibu high school and my mom uh, um didn't have like our finances were always like she was a single mom on medicaid you know trying to figure it out in welfare and i remember because she parked the RV, right? So RV is considered like a, a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So I think she got so many tickets where the, the RV didn't get impounded and she didn't, we didn't have money to get the RV out. So it was like our home. But like it's, it's like you lose your house, right? Like it goes to foreclosure, the bank comes and sees it. You have to move out. Like it was kind of like that. Like we had no other option. So uh, my mom lost everything and I had it like, we had to kind of figure it out. So she sent me to live with my grandparents in Denver for a little while. And it was kind of like a, a mutual choice. And that's when everything shifted. Like, So I didn't graduate in Malibu. I ended up graduating in Denver mm-hmm. so, from middle school.
0: So what was that transition like? I mean, moving from Malibu, California to Denver, Colorado. You know, What was that, <laughs> that was like
1: socially? <laughs> when I tell you, I'm like, what is happening? Um, <laughs> It was so traumatic because it's like everything, like I grew up in California, I know the beach, I know like my routine, like, so, and I know my friends and even like your mannerisms, like when you move to a different state, people talk different, they act different. So I was really struggling. Cause I'm like, I was, I'm an athlete, you know, I'm, I'm used to surfing and doing these water sports. I come to a place where that's not a thing, right? So, and then mind you, moving with my grandparents, like talk about age difference. That level of communication is way different versus your mom. You know, like you can like talk a little bit better. Just everything changed, and I just felt really challenged. I felt upset. I was angry at the world, um, but I also felt as though this might be a good thing. I might have some stability. I'll I'll have the foundation where I can just at least focus on school, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And honestly, that's where everything shifted for me because mind you, in the back of my head, I'm like, I have this drive to be successful. I've seen the height of wealth. I've seen the height of um, the American dream, right? So that's playing in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, I need to just execute. I need to do really good in high school so I can get to college. And that was kind of my thought process through through the move.
0: Through that move. What did you learn about yourself from that move?
1: I learned that... I'm very adaptable, right? It is, it's going to be a little bit painful, right? All your habits, um, you have to learn people, you have to learn the, the school system, what you're learning is different. But I think that gave me so much leverage as far as being adaptable um, and being able to communicate with different types of people, right? Because sometimes you can't bring who you are, you have to adapt to what other people are, right? To have a better understanding or to, to fit in or to um, to make the situation the best it can be, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm you saw the american dream i mean you saw the from the top to the bottom you saw what kind of where you were and what you needed to do to get to where you wanted to be right um, and so by taking school serious and you know bunkering down academically um you know what did you end up going to college uh, was it a smooth transition was it from denver high school college or what was that journey like <laughs>
1: You know, with me, it's like, it was never smooth. And I always, but I always used to tell myself, I'm like, I would always prefer the past to be Rocky because that that, to me just shows like, I'm capable of the hard work. I'm capable of the journey, right? Yeah. So it just seemed like getting to Denver was like another, it's like a video game, right? One level, like Pac-Man, like, okay, all these people coming at you, all these things. Okay, next level, it gets crazier, it's crazier, you know, faster. And that's, it just felt like I unlocked a new level of video game or like this is a new chapter, right? Mm. Um, and being in Denver was very, very challenging, but it did allow me like, because remember my mom moved from Malibu at a very young age. So I didn't really know my two older sisters and they were in Denver. They've been in Denver like their whole life. So me moving back, I got to rekindle that relationship with them and they took me in and I stayed with them for a little while to like, going to my grandparents and um my sisters and it was just amazing to see i like okay well you you want a big sister you want older people to like comfort you and um they had an understanding of life you know like, i'm still figuring it out they're a little bit older they have cars they have the house they have kids so moving um kind of being involved with them helped that transition as well like i'm not all i'm not i'm not by myself right
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and um As time went on, I'm, like, growing closer to my sisters. And I'm super young at the time. Like, I'm not fully aware of, like, addictions and drugs and alcohol and all of that. But being with them, it's like, they are older. They have kind of been exposed to that. So just being around my sisters more um, and you seeing their habits. So I'm like, she kept, like, popping pills. And I'm like, now I'm looking back, I'm like, that was a red flag. And, like, I can see where things went downhill very quickly for her. Um... And this is my older sister Zoe, but I'm not sure if you're like you're familiar with um, black women in childbirth. But you hear the medical system—they used to like after you give birth, you have a lot of pain, right? So they send these women that just gave birth. They've had the epidurals. They've went through this crazy, traumatic, also beautiful experience. But they leave you with like uh, opioids, Vicodins, and stuff for the pain. Mm-hmm. And um, this was like before the opioid crisis, but. It, there were like addicting amounts of pills they'd give these people, right? Mm. And they'd overload them. So then people, when they stopped taking them, it's like they're addicted, right? Because their dosage, how they dispersed it. And that was kind of her situation where um, she kind of started with her addiction and where she became, like, she relied on these pills, right? To get her through the day. And I'm like naive. I'm like, just like living my life. I'm going to high school. I'm like, I'm enjoying my sisters. You know, I'm living with them. and visiting and, like, just being around them and, like, soaking up, because you admire, you know, your your siblings. So I was like, whoa, like they're amazing to me, and not realizing, wow, she's really struggling with an addiction, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. What effect did it have on you in retrospect, or did it, I mean, like you say, you were kind of doing your own thing and, and just kind of happy to be building a relationship with your sisters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so... I think the effect it had was, it was it was two parts, right? Because I look at it like this. Some people need to touch the fire and get burnt, right? Like your mom, would like, don't touch that fire. Is it gonna hurt? And you're like, okay, I understand. Like, I hear what you say. Some people like are so hard headed that they have to touch the fire to understand, ow, that's really painful.
0: Yeah.
1: So for me, I always felt like I was in a unique position with them because they're older they kind of went through the process and I felt as though I had the game plan handed to me because I'm seeing them make these choices and I'm learning like oh if you make this choice this is what's going to happen so I just felt like it affected me in a way where I was able to digest like they made the bad decision so I didn't have to and I, I don't think it's a messed up way to see it but I feel like that's kind of how it played out for me because I know like okay if you do this, this is the repercussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you don't apply yourself and for them I just felt as though like bigger picture and I know this is like really deep but I do believe people become a product of their circumstances but they also become a part of their pain that they don't address so I think the addiction not with like my older sister and my other sister Sherelle she was an alcoholic like they had very addictive behaviors but it was part of a pain they had right probably with my mom leaving them so young maybe taking my sister and them not having the best relationships with their dad just all of these things they had trauma that they didn't recognize so it led to addictive behavior and a poison that they kind of were feeding if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah it definitely makes sense so while, while this is going on at home with your sisters and you're trying to finish school um what was that journey like graduating from high school but also the relationship and what the dynamic that was going on at home with your sisters
1: yeah so next chapter
0: right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um I, I'm just bringing up to set the basis point right the addiction because that that played out into what happens next um so it up getting to a really bad point where I'm seeing I ended moving with my sisters for a little bit. I, like I was saying, I was going to, go to my grandparents and my sisters, and for me, that was the best, because, like, you don't do your grandparents all the time. They're boring. They're old. They don't understand you, and, like, they were like, really strict Christians, so, like, if you play the wrong music, you're in trouble. You know, if you're, like, you, or, like, do something too loud, you're in trouble. So, like, going to my sisters was, like, a break, but like I said, being over there, like, they're in their, like, late 20s, uh, mid-20s. They were just like conducting themselves in ways that probably i shouldn't have seen but my sister were like they're doing cocaine you know having cocaine parties um and sometimes my sister she was a zoe like was the one i lived with Mm -hmm. which is my second oldest sister and mind you she was a stripper in denver as well so that kind of comes the lifestyle right like drinking she would be out really all night and that's kind of when she got on cocaine, um, she didn't graduate high school. So she had her own impediments and I'm just seeing it like get worse and worse. And as I'm like growing in my, my perspective and growing in and understanding like, okay, maybe you shouldn't, you're not supposed to do drugs and understanding the taboos of that. And I'm just seeing herself, seeing her and my other sister surrounding themselves with the wrong people. And I remember one day I came back from basketball practice and my sister was sitting in the kitchen with her friend i'd never like this friend she looked at me she was like hey you wanna um you wanna hit but it was like a syringe of like some medical like she shot up like something i don't know if it was like morphine or something and i'm looking at her like are you fucking kidding me excuse my language But i'm like are you kidding me and i'm looking at her like this can't be real and that's where i look. in my spirit i know like it was about to get really bad and it did so just her her, her addiction kept spiraling and she would end up like gone for like like several days. And I'm watching her two sons, like her two kids, Jaden and Jasir. Jaden's like three, I think Jasir's like a couple months. So she'd like leave all night, go hustling, selling money, dancing, right? But I'm like, I'm just taking care of her kids. And then she'd come back. So it was just like this very, I'm like, it's getting really like volatile. And she ends up losing her apartment and um, she moves into another apartment. So I'm seeing all of this happen and um, I don't say anything. And I think today, that's the biggest biggest thing that kills me because like, I felt as though I knew better. I just didn't say that, you know? And I felt like, who am I to, to tr- like challenge my older sisters when they're my older sisters,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah.
1: Um, so, but mind you, while this is all happening, I'm still playing myself in school. Like I'm getting straight A's i'm focused i'm like you know, this is all this chaos around me i'm like i think school really helped kept me level-headed and it gave me hope right like this doesn't have to be my story i love my sisters to death and i don't judge their story because it really did help me learn the easy way right because i have to do all of those things so yeah just taking perspective of kind of what they're going through and um my sister just saying everyone's in a bad place i just feel like i just remember the whole, like, not feeling right, just being over at her house, I felt like a, a cloud of gray always over her. I just felt like the house was very depressed. Bad energy. I'm not sure if it was the house and what type of energy it had, but, it like, it just got kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. And I remember one day I'm sleeping in bed with my, my um, two nephews, and um, I roll over, and there's, like, something next to my, my face. I wake up and I grab it. It's a heroin pipe in the bed with us.
0: Yeah.
1: Her two baby boys and me, I'm like, cause I just, I, I think I came over late that night to watch them and she went, I don't know where she went, and, but I never said anything. I'm like, this is so dysfunctional. I just remember like getting up and crying. And then um, I ended up taking the the boys to the pool that day. So, you know, like I had them doing, always doing fun activities when I was around and I was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, what do you say? What do you do? i would just in, like this place of i'm really not sure and um yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: so just seeing their demise i think it was just super super challenging um it's just confusing you know people you love are just they're intentionally hurting themselves and putting them in a bad situation yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. what ended up happening to you sister
1: it got to a point where she well, like she went so- somewhere for three months and she left her kids with my grandmother. And I ended up going back to my grandmother's house. And yeah, she was like, she disappeared for like three months. No one really heard from her. And she finally came back one night. And I remember being at the house. I came back from basketball practice this day. I remember clear as day. I had a great day at school, like went to practice, came home late, probably like around 8 p.m. And my sister came home. And mind you, we haven't seen her in three months. Like she- the last time I probably saw her, we didn't speak. She's like in her own thing she comes back and for some reason we get into an argument we're like in my grandmother's kitchen i think i was like upset like i'm like where have you been something and i called her i'm like you effing crackhead that's what i told her because i was just like so fed up with her Mm -hmm. and we we ended up getting an altercation the first time i ever fought or put my hands on anybody was my own family and when, I was, when I'm telling you heartbreak, I'm like, this is like, I don't understand like what movie am I in? Like, can I get out?
0: <laughs>
1: so, yeah. And I just remember we're fighting, fighting because I called her a crackhead, and we just start like punching on each other because she like slapped me or something. And my grandmother ends up breaking us up and she sends me outside. Like I did something wrong. She's like, you outside. It was like babying my sister. And I'm like, she's a whole grown woman. You're taking her side, knowing she's been gone for three months. It was just like, this is so dysfunctional and I remember just like sitting outside in the backyard I'm like I need to do something different and I call my mom my birth mom and at the time she's in Vegas I think and she's like you know what and I was like I no longer feel safe here and then um she's like you need to go back inside I think something happened to your laptop mind you like it's a brand new laptop I got and I go downstairs and it snapped in half mind Whoa. you like I'm I'm in love with school, I'm dedicated to school, I take care of my stuff and my computer snapped in half and I'm like freaking out because my mom told me, she's like, go downstairs, something, something. I'm like, okay, I did it. So my one of my sisters snapped my computer in half because she was upset basically. And then my grandmother still didn't take my side. She's like, you what? You probably broke it, you probably dropped it. I was like, I didn't drop my MacBook. Like, I'm not irresponsible. So then I'm on the phone with my mom, just telling her right, like, I don't feel safe. I just, at this point, I'm like, I can't believe I fought my sister. I'm like, this is toxic and I'm not gonna, I felt as though like I would die if I stayed in this household in a way of, not physically, but like goals, my spirit, mm-hmm. who I'm becoming. I feel like that person would die. So my mom, she's like, go to the school the next day. She's like, you need to go talk to your principal. She's like, you know, this may turn out, be the best thing for you so you don't have to go into child protective services. Because at that point, I'm like, I'm going to like, you know, like, I want the Child Protective Services to come get me because yeah. that's where we're going. Like, I felt so unsafe. And um, and then I'm like, if my grandparents are defending, like, a addict, like, that doesn't say much about, what, you know, what they would do for me, right? So I follow my mom's instructions. I go to the principal and I'm like, hey, this is happening at home. Um, and we have a conference meeting and they're, like, just staring at me like, are you sure? are you serious this is happening because they're like the way i brought myself into like all this stuff is happening the addiction and all i go into i went to school every day best attitude motivated no one could ever tell i was upset like nothing like i i was like in my zone when i came to school so when i'm like putting this all on the table like hey this has been happening that was an altercation i don't feel safe at home they're like looking at me like are you like what nilani so everyone's like utterly surprised at that point. I'm like, and I'm just in shock. Like I'm like scared. I don't know like if I'm gonna end up in a foster care or like a foster home. I'm just like, I'm on the edge of emotions. So we have the conference meeting. It's my principal, Ms. Jewett. And I think it's I think it was someone else was there and they call my grandparents to the school and then my mom is on a, on the phone and we're having a conference call, of like what should they do about the situation? And like, what can they do for me? Right? Mm-hmm. So my grandparents explicitly say like, we don't want her. Like basically like, they don't know what to do with me at that point. And I'm telling them I don't feel safe. And my mom, she's like, I don't know what my mom was saying. She, they were just like, we're having like a kind of a mediation, kind of discussing all the things that have transpired. in my principal. She was like, look, I don't know what's happening, but she's like, Milani, come, come live with me. So in that that meeting, that very next day, my principal decided to take me in and I'm sitting there like just astonished. Like, this is so embarrassing. Like, so like hurt, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so basically, my grandparents ended up giving like my mom. She even reached like, yeah, they gave the custody, the permission, and um, they gave basically my my principal the power to watch over me and take care of me as my guardian. And in that meeting, I'll never forget. She was like, "I've seen Elani work so hard. I've seen her change as a student. I've seen her apply herself, and I never would have thought she was going through this. But she's like, I don't mind her coming." To live with me because I want to support her so she finishes successfully.
0: Wow. So, you know, once you now you're the third transition um within the same city, how was that, you know, transition for you? Was it kind of a sigh of relief or was it did it take some getting used to once you moved in with the principal?
1: It was I don't know, like if I had like an out-of-body out-of-body experience. But I kind of felt numb. I was just like, "How could? How did this all happen? Like overnight?" In my job, I'm hurting. I'm hurting really bad because it's like, here I am in another state. Like I've been uprooted from my like all that I've ever known. I've adjusted. I've grown to love my older sisters. I physically been like handled and harassed and beat up by my older sister that I love so dearly. You know while my grandparents that are my blood decide like, you know, we don't want her. And I'm like, and I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm like, I felt as like, I'm respectful. I'm a good student. Like I want the best out of life. I don't like, I'm young. I don't do drugs. I don't do any of this. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? Where I'm like, you can give up on me. You know, I was like, what's wrong with me? So um, the transition, but in the back of my mind, I don't know if like what your belief system is, but I think for me, like, I always had a presence of a higher spirit, of like a, just a voice. Like I always listened to my voice and my instinct. And I just felt like God was like saying like, you're gonna be okay, you're gonna be okay. Like it's okay, you know? Um, But at first it was awkward, right? Because it's like my principal. Like I've always seen her in like professional capacity and here I am living in her house. But I was also grateful, you know, because things could have went sideways. I could have went to foster care and I don't know what that would've looked like. So at the same time I was like I was relieved and I was kind of excited, like like this is a new start, this is a new journey, but it was just all very painful as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. During that process, did you did you ever get a chance to heal? Was your healing through kind of your getaway which was school?
1: It was a mixture and I think you asked earlier about like my mental health. Um like I don't know, maybe it's like a, something internally strong, but I've never been to a therapist about all of the stuff that I've, the traumatic things I've been through. But I did learn very early on, you have to channel your energy somewhere. So for me, instead of like starting to smoke and cigarettes or be disrespectful or do like get myself caught up in the wrong things or with boys, I dedicated myself with excellence. When I tell you excellence to school, because for me, I'm like, I just felt like, it was life or death, whether I studied or not, whether I got good grades, and I'm like, I can't mess up. Mm. So that was part of my healing process, knowing that if I do well enough, I can open doors for myself, and no one can tell me or no one can control that, right? Yeah. The second aspect was Ms. Jewett, my adopted mom. And to this day, she's my biggest supporter. She is my mom. Um, her love, her unconditional, like just wanting me to do well, her assistance, her, her um, patience with me. Right. Cause here she brought in this, the student that she's seen, you know, grow up in her school. Cause I went attended her high school for two years prior to the situation. So someone she's kind of just seen apply herself and grow here. She is like living in her house. So it was like, it was kind of awkward for both of us, but she was just so patient and she would always plan like really fun stuff to do on the weekends She'd like let's go to the museum or let's go to the movies let's go to the bookstore and this became a habit of ours in the tradition where she would take me to the bookstore and I'll never forget it it would always be three books and she like we'd go like probably once a month and she'd always let me just get three books and we'll go to the movies and those small moments were so healing and it just allowed me to be at peace like I had like Stability. She didn't pressure me. She didn't try to want me to talk about stuff I've been through. She just was there. You know, she was so kind. She was a mother to me when I needed it most.
0: You kind of got addicted to excellence. Correct. Um, and speaking of excellence, thinking about our 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 school, you know, excellence with caring, you know, what led you to Florida and University?
1: So Again, I don't know what it was like. My instinct was like somewhere in Florida. I don't know where I got that on my mind, my spirit. When it came time to like deciding for schools, I was just like, I'm going to Florida. I didn't want to go to California because I had like rough experience in California. So I was like, that I don't want to go back to that. Not saying that that would be happening again, but just like my thoughts of California was traumatic. And then being in Denver, I'm like this is the worst place to be. I don't want to go to school here. So I was like, Florida, that's my destination. Whoa. So um, my mom's school, because she was a principal, she had like a lot of like ACT prep courses and people that come talk to us like on how to apply for school. And um, I just started applying to Florida schools. So the funny thing is I didn't get into Florida A&M right out of high school. I actually applied to um, BCU mm-hmm. and you why <laughs> so i didn't know that when applying to california schools the criteria is different you just like your sat and your act with florida schools you have to take the written part of your act so mind you i took like the act like three times i never took the, the written portion of it so i take the written portion when it's like probably late and everyone that's like already applied to college people put their applications in and i submit mine like last minute to BCU, which is bethune Cookman University in um, Daytona Beach, Florida. I've never went to the school. I didn't see much about it, but I knew it was HBCU. My mom, my adoptive mom, Miss Jewett, she went to Tuskegee. I was like similar colors, HBCU, Florida. I got an acceptance letter. I was like, bam, I'm in there. <laughs> Let's get it. <laughs> but the thing is, like I didn't, I never saw the school. I didn't know anybody from the school. And the only thing I could really find were like bad news stories, like like shootouts. So I'm like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into, but this is my one chance to be in Florida. I'm one step closer to Miami, which is where I thought I wanted to be. I was like, I'm in there. Let's go. Let's yeah. go.
0: Coming from the West Coast and, and thinking about schools to attend, and what are the chances you pick Florida, you know, out of all the state institutes, even HBCUs to go to it was Florida, that's, that's interesting. But how did you end up, you know, you got into eight um, BCU, how did you, what was the navigation to FAMU?
1: Yeah, so another chapter, right? It's like sort of <laughs> Um, so my, uh, mom, Miss Jewett, she ended up flying us out to BCU and like, helped me get into school. Like, we went shopping for my dorm. I'm like, this is, like, the stuff you see in, like, movies. I'm like, this is so cool. Um, But the school's, like, really not what I imagined. The campus is kind of, like, I'm just being honest. It was, like, ghetto. I was like, Malibu. I'm, like, this is hood. I don't know what this is, but whatever. Like, I got to rock with it. So, um, I ended up in a dorm with this girl, um... I forgot her name. I mean, probably should have mentioned names, but my she's like really nice to my mom, and I'm like okay, like we end up like being really cool friends. And when I tell you this girl, ended up being my biggest nightmare. Whoa. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm at BCU. I'm like I'm, I, I feel out of whack. Like I don't feel people took school serious. Like I don't know what people are saying. I can't understand how people talk because you know that slang. Like what's up, jit? you know i'm like i don't know i was like are you saying like that's like what what are you saying so i'm like adapting to the way people talk like their slang um but as i'm going progressing like my first semester i do like really bad not really bad i do bad so i'm like i'm out of whack i don't understand this college thing like i feel uncomfortable i'm in florida by myself i don't know anybody I'm struggling like mentally, you know, physically, I'm just going through the motions of adapting adapting to college. Um, And I think fi- I figure out like probably my, after my first semester, I come back home, I'm like, I just felt like really low. Like I didn't have the GPA I wanted. My um, mom was talking to me about it. I just felt like kind of like I failed myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like this perspective moment. I was like, this is not the school for me. Like, I don't think there was one and please forgive me. Whoever graduated from BCU, forgive me. Do not hate me. But I didn't... At the time of me going there, I couldn't put my hand... Like, you know how you meet someone like a senior upper upperclassman? You're like, wow, I want to be like them. Or like, this. okay, this is what you become when you're at college. I didn't see a role model for me there where I was like, you know what? She's so cool. She's so educated. She's so dope that I want to stay here and like and do exactly what she did. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: So... Furthermore, for me to figure out, I'm like, okay, well, I need to transfer schools, and the talk at BC was like, you can't transfer; you're gonna have to pay all these bills. You have to pay this big to transfer all of these, all of this stuff. So I'm like, I probably can't transfer. I'm miserable. Um, but I put on my mind, okay, second semester, I'm gonna get the best grades I can because I need a, I need a passing GPA. So second semester, mind you, my roommate I mentioned. Me and her fall out over something. She just like she started being a bully. Um, kind of being jealous, spiteful. I felt as though I couldn't trust her, and then we end up getting another roommate. And I don't know what it is about BCU. I think they just try to get the most money. <laughs> and they like jam-packed us like sardines in a, a, a dorm. It was a, a such a small dorm with three girls in one room. I'm like, what is happening? So these two girls end up teaming up, they don't like me um they start like hazing me start bullying me i can't like they're blow drying their hair playing music at like 2 a.m i have class in the morning and mind you you're in the same room there's no separators there's no wall like you're all in there you know
0: yeah
1: it's like you have been in your room and like your brother comes in there and then like your mom and they're all in there just like what's up no <laughs> privacy you know yeah yeah so it got to the point where i was like traumatized like i didn't want to sleep in my dorm i would like end up crying they would like yell at me <clears throat> and, like, I'm civil. I'm, like, trying to figure out, like, how can I make this a good experience for all of us? So I sit down with one of the other the girls. I forgot her name, but she was, like, an upperclassman. And she's like, yeah, I don't like you because you remind me of my mom. I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was like, okay, this girl crazy because that has nothing to do with me. But furthermore, I'm like, I can't survive another, like, year of this or this environment, so... I would just like really push again in the classroom. Like I have to get the best grades I can. I have to get the best grades I can. And I pass all my classes my second semester, my freshman year, and I have the GPA like high enough. So I basically apply to FAMU and I transfer. They accept my, they accept me. I'm like bet I'm in there leaving all this behind. And that's kind of how I ended up at FAMU.
0: And and what was the, you know, we, we talk about your transitions a lot. So how was, you know, going from bethune Cookman to Florida and then what was that like?
1: I think it was the best thing to ever happen to me. And that's just for me personally, like some people, I'm not knocking BC, like it's great for other people, but like for me, I'm like, this is not my destiny. And I knew it. And I remember vividly, um, this time, I, like it was like summertime, right? I got a summer job, went back to Denver, I was staying with my mom and then, I forgot what happened, but I had to fly back and get myself enrolled by myself this time, sophomore year. She didn't come back with me. So I get to FAMU, I'm like staying at a hotel, take a rental to the um, school, like get myself signed up for classes. But when I tell you, when I pulled up to the campus, I just felt like crying. I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is a collegiate campus. Like this is something you see in a movie.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like, I felt I'm like, wow, like this is the whole time what I've been looking for. And I just had this resonating feeling like, this, Lonnie is where you're supposed to be. And I just remember being nervous and excited. I'm just seeing people walk around. I'm seeing the volleyball girls in their family attire. Like, it, it felt like a movie scene. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the most amazing thing.
0: You know, now now that you're at FAM, you know, you kind of feel this sense of, you know, this is where I belong. Um, you know, how were how your three years there? Um, what did you study? What was your major?
1: Yeah, so I um, wanted to study business. I was like my mindset. I'm like, I want to be this business mogul. I thought it was broad enough where I could manipulate my career where I wasn't sectored into like this, you have to be a dentist or like you have to be a pharmacist, right? Business, you can go into marketing management. However, you you um, position yourself. So, mm-hmm. I ended up studying business. So, I was in SBI School of Business and Industry. And um, my sophomore year, again, it was challenging, right? Because I'm like, I have to adapt to another school. I have to adapt to another environment, way of ethics, you know. Like, and I had to learn the social behaviors of the students. What do they say? How am I accepted, right?
0: Mm-hmm
1: here I am this like girl from California, blonde hair, like different accent. I'm like, I'm gonna get bullied on or someone's gonna try to fight me. Coming from BC, like that was my experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I didn't know what to really anticipate. But it was really challenging at first cause family was a different like level of academics especially the school of business. Very, ch- I was challenged academically, spiritually and I had I had to learn too. Like it's not about always how smart you are. Sometimes you have to learn to, to play the game, right? Yep. And sometimes that game is the psychological aspect of how you speak with your your professor. Sometimes they want you to just come to their office, ask questions. That's your grade. Versus you applying your like it would just like Monopoly or um, chess.
0: Yeah,
1: I was like it's not as straightforward as I thought. I thought like if you're just like really smart and you study, you'll like do well. Like that's not it. Mm-hmm. That's not it at all anything you'll be worse if you do that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I tell people it's like every syllabus and every teacher is like a different manager you just got to figure out what that yes. manager wants to fulfill that whatever the job is <laughs> it's like that um, I think
1: you hit it right on the head it's like having like eight different jobs or however many classes you're in that's a job
0: yeah and you got to figure out what the end goal is and how you figure it yeah. out
1: oh my goodness yes
0: just on the topic of fam, you you know you said it, it was kind of a still it was a transition. You know transitions are what they are, smooth or not. there's still transitions. There's still some um, adjustment. So once you kind of got acclimated and, and, and comfortable at fam, you um, how was your experience and uh, when did you graduate?
1: Yeah, so I think um, what like school were you in? You were in business.
0: I was in a uh, ag business, so I I was kind of like split my minors in economics.
1: Okay. So I was in
0: I was in a college of agriculture, and so part time agriculture, part time business.
1: So, you are one of the, the lucky few or unfortunate few that get the, the to grace SBI, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you kind of get some exposure to like, because I feel like every school has a different personality and a, a different way of doing things. Yeah, so Definitely. Business is very collegiate; like they have a certain way intensity um and i'm not sure like if you had your run-in but like i am or heard the term like the sbi superstars
0: no I, no
1: so basically what they what these people were they're like anomalies of like the business school like these are like the high achievers they've had like internships with goldman sachs and xerox and all the top corporate companies right like that's you want to be this this the superstar and we like we had if there's like a the handful like they're really smart they're always like in New York taking interviews. Like they're just, they're the they're the cream of the crop in the business school. When I first got there, I was I had to learn that dynamic. Like who, who are the achievers? Like who who cares about school? Who doesn't? You know, sometimes you had like the kids in class like, I'm just here. I don't know. I don't care. So, mind you, setting the like the foundation. My sophomore year was kind of rocky. I'm like, I did well, but not as well as I could have but they tell you all the time, like you go to, like you hear stories of past graduates, like you need a 3.0 or higher, you need to get internships, paid internships every summer. And if you wanna do well, this is what you have to do. That might, that means you have to really do significantly well in all your courses, get the internships and execute your internships. So sophomore year, I'm like not feeling the best, like grades looking kind of rocky. I think i was just being transparent i think i was sitting at like a two eight something like two seven i'm like okay well i need to get my ish together mm-hmm. in my desire what i like my i'm like i want to be sbs superstar i want to be sbs superstar you know i want to be like go to Goldman. i didn't know what goldman was i was like what is goldman sachs <laughs> i was like i want to work there and mind you goldman sachs is like the top investment banking um fortune 500 company or i think they're fortune 200 or whatever So I kind of set that goal out for myself. Like, I'm going to become an SBI superstar. And um, I think by the end of my sophomore year, I'm like, I'm clicking. I understand what's happening. I know what's expected. I know I have the goals I set for myself. Like, I know what I need to do. And honestly, when I tell you, like, that shift in mindset, right, you hear that all the time, like, you have the power to choose and to be who you're going to be. Yeah. I really had to just tell myself, like, you know, no matter, you came from a lot, you know, and I, to be real with you, I was struggling too with school because like, I didn't have money, I was broke. Like, my parents weren't sending me um, money. My mom, my real mom, my adoptive mom took me off allowance. And I was like really fending for myself. I think my aunt sent me like $100 a month, but like that's nothing when you're in college. So I'm like struggling and I'm bitter, I'm angry. I'm hurt. You know, like all this, I'm like, I feel like my sister should be here looking after me and just kind of being the victim in my own story, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just and I'm sitting on my floor on my dorm crying, I'm crying, I'm crying, and I'm like, everything just feels wrong. You know, I'm like, I just feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm confused. And after I'm done crying, I just sit there and I'm like, all right. Just, they're not no one's coming no one's coming to save you no one has come to save you like this is on you you know you got yourself this far and I'm really just having this like moment with God and myself like please help me I'm staring at myself like Milani please do something you know yeah. and for me I think that shift in my mindset of just like I've had enough like that feeling of complacency I'm like I've had enough and when I tell you that dog woke up in me, I don't know if you hear Eric Thomas talk about that dog. Yeah, That dog woke up. I was like, no, I'm just going to class. I'm on time. If I don't understand something, I'm in the teacher's office. I'm getting um, tutored. I'm in the library. I'm relying on my other friends, graduates. I'm asking questions. I'm on it like, oh, what, what? We got a test next week? I'm setting two weeks in advance. Oh, three weeks in advance. Mind you, I'm starting to get involved with like um, SGA. I'm, you know, getting better friends, kind of mingling. So I'm, like, really getting connected. I feel I feel like I'm part of the campus. I feel like I'm the culture. Like, you know, I feel like that rattler. And I think from there, like, doors just open. Yeah. After I was just hungry, doors open because I'm applying for stuff. I'm going to interviews. I'm trying to learn. Put in my resume. I'm dressing up. I'm getting – put my suit on. I'm going to class. Running to work. You know, like, I was just grinding. And um, – I think like yeah the, the doors just open
0: yeah yeah i, I know that feeling too it kind of yeah. gives me chill bumps because mine was actually a i graduated family with a two three gpa but yeah. the grind <laughs> it's just after a trip that i went to south africa um, it changed my life you know yeah. I know, i know that feeling you know it's just yeah like, it's undeniable, you know, no one can take anything from you. You know it's on you and you just kind of by any means necessary, you know, it's just all gas, no brakes, basically.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, and I don't know who, what, what professor told me this, but they're like, again, that analogy, of like study life, your, like your life depends on it because it does. And that, like, that was just innate in me. I'm like, you know, cause, and I know the power of education and when you apply yourself, you know, And for me and my personal journey, I'm like, this is what I have to do or I'm not gonna make it. I'm not, and I refuse. I'm like, I'm not gonna go move back home because I couldn't finish school. I'm not gonna go be someone's baby mama because I didn't apply myself. I'm not gonna be the narrative that my family has seen. I'm like, I have to change this generational curse. And it is a curse. It is a curse. You know, that financial mindset gets passed down. How you see the world gets passed down. Your level of education you you aspire to because you see examples right and you're talking about legacy you're talking about the um, the kids right a kid can have an alcoholic parent one decides to be an alcoholic themselves and victimizes themselves the other one is like they can't smell alcohol they they despise it right and they go yeah. beast mode with their health like yeah. you know don't don't even touch it so it was just kind of that. That area of like, you know, you have to decide. Yeah. You have, you have to decide.
0: So, so, so once you decided, once you kind of, like you said, the dog came out, mm-hmm. what, you know, where did it take you, you know, once you graduated or, or what opportunities came? Uh, and, you know, when did you graduate and things like that?
1: Yeah. So, where things were aligning, I got my, um, I was part of the real estate club at FAMU and it's like the first real estate club. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, I like business, but I felt as though to build generational wealth, you have to have real estate. And I learned that from, I was like a bookworm, like books saved my life. When I tell you, like even being in Denver and all that, that experience, like I learned that books and self-help books and learning about money, like that kept me on track. That kept me building myself. Um, and I remember reading Rich Dad poured out like my freshman year and they talked about real estate and that's what I was like, oh, I need to get involved in real estate. And when I got to FAMU, they had a real estate club. I got involved in that. And that was like the first found first layer of like, okay, Nalani building her toolkit. Mm-hmm. Get involved in the real estate club. Um, I apply for an internship, mind you. His name is, um. oh my God, I feel horrible. What's my boss's name? Dennis Perkins, oh my God, he's gonna hate me. But Dennis (laughs) Perkins of Civitas Commercial Real Estate. He gives me my first internship, my opportunity. Mind you, this is my sophomore summer uh, at FAM. I'm like, and I'm kind of late. I should have had an internship already. This is my first paid internship. Um, It's like almost about to be, the school let out, it's about to be the summertime. And I do the interview, I send my resume and he's like, all right, you have the opportunity, but you have to be in DC the next week. Like that following Monday, I get the call Friday um if you want if you want this internship i'm like i have to get it because you know with sbi you have to have two paid internships before you graduate Mm -hmm. so i'm like i'm on it like i'm on craigslist i'm figuring i'm like i'm finding myself a place to stay um i have some money in savings i'm like bet i'm there so i drive by myself 13 hours to dc like over that weekend i'm there monday morning bam here i am spend my time in dc doing this great internship and i Praise God for Civitas and Dennis because he believed in me, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm learning the ins and outs of commercial real estate. Mind you, he runs probably one of the only nonprofit commercial real estate services in D.C. He's a family graduate. Wow. So I just feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. I'm like, wow, like, whoa, like, look at him, you know. And yeah. he's running the business. I come back to family. I'm like, I'm like, I'm hot. You know, like, I have this great experience. I felt like I have some... Skin of the game, right? Come back to fam, doing my thing with the real estate. Again, in the point of internships, you learn what you want, you want you learn if you this is something you want to do after school, if this is your career path. But I learned with real estate. Um me coming from a background of I don't have I don't have parents where I can be like, Hey Dad, I need a thousand dollars, you know, it's rough this month. Like whatever I do is do or die, right? Either I eat or I starve. Yeah. So with real estate, how it works, you are basically hired off commission. You, you'll get like a, probably like a, it's called a draw. So they'll give you like probably 20,000 or whatever amount you need for your living expenses, X, Y, and Z, but every deal you close goes back to paying your debt, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm taking all this into account and I'm like, I don't have like, I am don't even know if I'm gonna be good at real estate. I'm like, oh heck no. And I'm, I know I'm gonna have, you know, some bills for, student loans after school I'm like I can't put myself in that position so I get back to school and um, I'm still trying to figure out okay you know graduation is coming up soon this is my junior year like it's gonna be here before I know it getting the grades I need getting the grades I need going on interviews I go on an interview to Goldman Sachs. Mind you, because I got my grades up. So I'm like, okay, I'm that big dog, right? <laughs> oh, I'm with SBI. I'm flying out to New York. You know, I'm inter- get interviewed. And I bombed my interview for some reason. Like, the lady never called me back. I followed up, like, several times. I heard nothing. I'm crushed. I'm crushed. So my like, Goldman was my plan, right?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm like, I was, when I say I was depressed for, like, two months. So, I was like, dang. Like, thinking they are going to call. I was so sick with it. I, like other people were getting calls from the companies letting them know they got their offer i asked i'm like what's the number what's the number so i got the number from them called them like hey like i didn't get my interview yet or like my offer and they're like what they're like no you didn't get a call i was just so desperate yeah hurt so that didn't work out so i'm applying for opportunities i end up um getting another opportunity for uh, what is it um CBRE, Commercial Real Estate Services. So this, mind you, this is the number one, the biggest real estate company in the world that transacts with commercial space. They give me an interview and I got the interview, like the opportunity through being involved with the real real estate club. I had went to a conference. So this broker I meet at a meeting or at a conference, she's like, yeah, we're looking for interns. Took her number down, I kept following up with her, following up, following up, following up. And she's like, okay, well, we're having interviews. You you have a private invite. I fly down, to, or I drive, I get a rental. I drive down all the way to Miami by myself one day, go to the interview. I walk in, it's like nothing. It was like 10 white boys and like me <laughs> and one Russian girl. And I'm like, damn, like, I just feel out of space. I feel out of alignment. I grew up in California, Malibu around predominantly white. But mind you, being at an HBCU for so long, I kind of felt like they always acknowledge like you're going to be the only black person in the room. You have to be the best. You're going to be the only black, you know. Yeah. So when I get back into the world and not being at an HBCU where all you see is people like you, I was like, oh damn, like I am the only black person. I was like super conscious and super nervous. Um, but I just I was like I put that in the back of my mind and I just channeled all of the experience i had in real estate so far they're asking me questions you're having one-on-one with all these brokers it's intense like you're staring at your competition you know yeah and um i remember leaving that day i was so happy but i was so nervous about something in me i was like i know i got it i know i got it i go back to school probably like two months like a month later i get the email you got the internship i'm like i run out of class i'm so happy i'm so happy (laughs) (laughs) I saw one of my friends in the hall. I was like, "Guess what, girl? Guess what?" She's like, "What? You're pregnant?" I was like, "No." <laughs> I was like, "No." I let her know the good news, and I'm like super stoked. And mind you, like my whole plan to even come to Fo- I wanted to live in Miami. I wanted to be like this hot shot, rich girl, like doing her thing and business, living in Miami. I'm like, I'm to me, I'm like, I did it. Mm. I got my shot at moving to Miami. So. Mind you, like I want 10. I'm so happy it's paid. Um, super stoked. Finish that semester. I go down for the summer to Miami. And um for me, when I once I got to Miami, I was like this is not for me. I just felt so out of place. I it was so stressful, so expensive. And my job, I'm supporting myself. I'm like, I can't have financial goals. I'm gonna like starve out here. The rent's crazy. And mind you, again, real estate. So if I ever accepted the offer, I would be on commission, right? So anything I do is, anything I make is up to me. Nothing is guaranteed. So I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like trying to figure out my game plan, but um, oh, I skipped. I skipped a part. Prior to me leaving that summer in Miami, um, I had participated in this program called Mobiles in the Making. And it was a partnership with Thurgood Marshall. Mm -hmm. so basically it was like a pitch competition in detroit it was like this big thing big sean was hosting it and i applied and somehow i got accepted i'm like super stoked so we go through this competition we pitch in front of big sean it's like five students from famu we we end up taking first place i'm like god is just blessing me so much like so many doors are opening i'm like grades are good you know like i'm I'm progressing i'm getting opportunities I'm like this is what i prayed for yeah so, i don't know where i'm going with it but i'm like this is i at least have the, the shot you know i have the chance to be in the room and um that competition it was the craziest thing because we were wearing these shirts called winning and we didn't even know we we're gonna win but we ended up taking first place and through that they gave us a f- um a scholarship i think it was like a five thousand dollar scholarship we got a macbook and we also got a a guaranteed internship for that summer as well. But mind you, I'm interning with CBRE. So I was like really conflicted. I was like, well, I can only do one internship this summer. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? But I already had accepted CBRE. So I felt, I didn't want to like renege my internship and like, I just felt like it was unprofessional. You know, I already made a commitment. Mm -hmm. I worked so hard. I like, I drew down there, I was so excited. I was like, I'm gonna do my internship in Miami, and um, right before I left to left like to go on this internship, something told me like, message the CEO, because we had met him at the the competition, and he's like, yeah, just email me. Like, my, it's a Fortune 500 CEO, and he's like talking about email me. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm like, I took a I took him up on his word, and I t- like I just I had a conviction. Something I was like sitting in my bed, and God was like, just send the email. Like, even if they say no, right? Just have courage. So I send the CEO Jeff Brown an email and I'm like, Hey, I'm, I accepted an offer, but I would love to intern. Is there any way that you can move my dates? When I tell you God was so amazing. He messaged me probably like a day later was like, okay, I'm working on it. I'll be in contact. I'm like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, looking at the email. I'm like, I, I don't know like why I would even decide to go to the CEO. I could have went to like his assistant or something or like someone else, but I just felt as though I needed to speak with him, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want the middle man, I'm going to the man in charge. No. <laughs> so, he ends up responding and um he gave like I am getting into contact and mind you, all throughout the summer in Miami, like I'm going back and forth with the HR. They're like trying to find me a position, trying to find me a team to work on. And when I tell you they came back, they gave me the dates for my internship. So the the I think it was like the 10th or something my internship ended in Miami. The next internship ended started the next Monday. So I had like that weekend again. So I drove to Charlotte by myself again that weekend to be in my other internship. Found housing, all that good stuff. I'm the only intern Within the whole company for the that fall, so that's just how amazing God is, and He made room. Like He made room for me to be to take part in the internship, and mind you, like Jeff Brown, amazing CEO, and all of his assistants, and all of the people that made room for me. But they all worked in my favor, and I was just like, like God, are you kidding?
0: Well, I I I think the parallels in your story are interesting. From Living in Malibu to st- to wanting to study real estate to having your MacBook broken in Denver to receiving a MacBook after a competition.
1: Yeah, I didn't even see that. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Oh, so, so once you graduated from FAMU, you know what's next for you?
1: Yeah. Um. So next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> We need to just like title this next chapter, right? Um, chapter,
0: chapter, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, God, like it just here's your fair share of experiences and trials. Um, right, the, the pandemic hits. Mind you, this is my last semester in school, so I wanted to do a big. I I've been like planning my graduation photo shoots for years. Me just walking across the stage like meant so much to me because I went through so much. I just. Me envisioning myself successful in my graduation dress, like that's what motivated me. Like those hard nights. Yeah. So, not being able to graduate and go through those those rituals of what all students do, like it broke me. I was like, whoa. But I was still grateful because I'm like, okay, I have a full time offer from Ally, and I had a, I had offers from like the real estate companies I worked with. But mind you, again, I didn't want to graduate school out of you know, straight into commission-based out, you know, environment. Nothing's guaranteed. And I'm like, I need guarantee. I need security. I need to build up my savings. I need, I need guarantee. Like, I've had enough chaos and uncertainty my whole life, you know? So, and for me, I'm like, I just wanted health insurance. Like, I had Medicaid. I just wanted health insurance. I wanted to be on 401k. I wanted that That That's that version of American Dream for me. So, um, I ended up taking my offer with Ally Financial as a treasury analyst. So I'm in banking as of now. And I graduated May 2020. So wasn't able to walk across the stage. Thank you.
0: Just looking back over your life and your experiences, mm-hmm. um, what have you learned about you know giving yourself time to heal, but also while you know progressing and moving forward?
1: I think the biggest thing I learned, like no matter what happens to you, like you have the power to determine how that affects you, right? So I saw my sister, like I saw they they did cocaine, they had fun, they, you know, indulged themselves and got money different ways, and I was just like, for me, like that's not healthy, and I'm gonna I'm gonna choose otherwise. I'm gonna choose the best possible outcome for Nalani. So that that took um, just having discipline and knowing that um, you really do become a product of your circumstance. But my model always was, you can um, you can let the environment create you, or you you use the environment to build your legacy. Right? A lot of people are their products. No, and I was like, I'm changing the narrative. I'm creating the product. I'm creating something out of this, right? I won't be determined by what has happened to me. Not at all.
0: What advice would you give your younger self look, looking back you know, over your life?
1: I think my younger self, I would just say the same thing, which I've kind of done, like, you know, apply yourself, keep doing what you're doing, try your best you know, but I would most certainly say like, you know, you feel as though that you're helpless and you feel like there's not that silver lining that you're working towards, but there is. Like, just if anything go harder, you know, I feel like I could have gotten harder in certain moments.
0: Going from one college to another college and, you know, transitioning from school to school, like what advice would you give, um, you know, a young senior, you know, applying to schools and what they're looking for in their college experience?
1: my advice would be obviously like i'm not sure like where people come sometimes you know their parents are funding their education or sometimes they have scholarships but my thing would be like go where you want to go go where you feel is right don't like sometimes parents and you know siblings put pressure like you need to you need to stay near me you need to be close to home and that works for some people but i think the biggest benefit was being challenged where right? I couldn't run home. I couldn't like a bad day of class. I couldn't be like, I hate college. I'm dropping out. Like I didn't have that choice. I'm way across the other side of the world. You know, I don't I can't run home. But that challenged me to keep going, to figure it out. So I would say to a senior that's applying to school to decide for you, obviously take into account what your parents are other people's opinions, but do what's gonna make you happy and what, and do what you see yourself doing. If you want to be a doctor, a pharmacist, a business um, person, a business mogul, like do that.
0: Mm. What, what and, and kind of to follow up to that question, what advice would you give to uh, also that senior or incoming uh to kind of, you know, hunker down and, and kind of push through when it gets hard?
1: I think what will help in those hard times like I think the biggest thing is strategy and I wish like you probably you mentioned it too like you wish you would have just had like the you know like do this so like I think having strategy of how to execute what to do um so if anything like communicate with someone that's already been to that school way ahead of time like I wish I would have just chatted with someone with that was in the business school they could have been like okay do this um study with this professor because they're this way and i wish i had the rundown sooner and there were students that came they're like fifth generation college students and you can tell because their alignment with their work like the way they executed was so vastly different for someone that's just like in school for the first time doesn't really have family members like they don't like this is new you know
0: yeah
1: i think to answer your question preparation is key preparation is strategy so no know what's expected and if you don't know what's expected try to figure out who does
0: this podcast is called the process podcast Uh, what does trust the process mean to you
1: by trusting the process that that means understanding like you may not see the the end of the road or why you're going through what you're going through but i feel as though there's no wasted experience Mm -hmm. none at all and that's that's the process right people like I always see people say, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. I can't wait till I have a baby or I can't wait till I I marry my husband, my rattler husband or something. (laughs) You know, like everyone's like, I can't wait. But it's like, actually you should like appreciate where you're at now. Like that moment of you being frustrated, being broke, being hungry, being even happy, being successful, like be in that moment and, and cherish it because that's part of your process. It's not always the destination. It's what you're doing along the way to get to your destination. If that makes sense.
0: I wanna thank you for taking the time out to kind of detail your story and be transparent with your story. Um, I know the listeners will benefit greatly just by hearing the transitions throughout your life and your life experiences. Um, I wanna ask you, do you have any lasting words that you wanna leave with the listeners?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to thank you, you know, for even like giving me the opportunity and the platform to share my story. It's been a it's been a long journey and I've always like I mentioned before, it's always nerve-wracking to share such intimate details, but for me, I, I want this to be a scenario, and I, even if it just touches one person, like, man, like, something that she said really hit me, or what one sentence, I'm like, that's enough for me, you know, because I have to share this story. i ra- I rather this help someone than me hide it because I'm ashamed. Like, I'm proud of what I went through, and it created me an amazing woman, you know, I bring a lot. I contribute a lot to the world, but that didn't come easily. But I think the thing I want to leave with the listeners and whoever's really in tune that made it, whoever made it this far in the podcast, thank you because I know your attention could be other places. But the thing is like, I'm telling you right now, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through to carry yourself in the best possible light, like conduct yourself with excellence because you don't know who's watching you you don't know who is going to have your back when you need it. You don't know who is rooting for you secretly. So through that and conducting yourself accordingly, like you can become whatever you desire. It doesn't matter what you've gone through, what you've done to someone else, right? Like there is forgiveness and there is hope for a better tomorrow and a better future.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Um, Where could the listeners find you, you know, to if that one sentence did touch someone, they wanted to give you feedback or you know, anything like that. Where could they find you on social media, anything like that?
1: Yes, they can find me at Miss dot underscore real estate. Again, that's Miss underscore real estate. And as I did mention, I am an analyst. I do work for a bank, but I also do credit repair. So just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. That's cool. <laughs> if you guys need like any services like that, um, but yeah, like I'm an open book. I'm here to motivate the people. So if you do have questions i'm um, all here for it this episode was brought to you by overcome achieve clothing allow what you have overcome to fuel the flame of persistence as you face and conquer your next challenge wear your truth overcome
0: Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. Right? You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry but the effect that I want to leave on people being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.